All right. Praise the Lord, everybody. Come on, let's give the Lord just a great big hand this morning. Has God been good to you? Has he blessed you? Well, let me hear you shout for a good five seconds. Come on. Come on, make a sound. That's right. That sounds good. You almost sound like how I sounded on Thanksgiving when my Cowboys beat the Giants. All right. We got one saved person at least I know in here. How many of y'all glad to be in church this morning? I'm glad to be here. Before you sit down, before you sit down, let's give one more big hand for your pastor in his absence today. Come on, a big, come on, come on, a great big God bless you. And to his beautiful wife, Pastor Ruth, come on, let's celebrate her. Amen. When, when, when I say I love them, I mean it. Now, I'm supposed to mean it every time I say I love somebody. But when I say we love the Nieves family and we love Transformation Church, Dami and I, we truly mean it. You are, are a blessed group of people. In fact, whenever I come and visit and you guys do the guest speaker thing and everybody's scrambling, I'm like, guys, relax. I'm at home. I'm at home when I'm at Transformation Church. And uh, I'm just honored to be here with you to share the word with you. Listen. I want y'all to do me a favor, and I'm asking you to stand while I ask you to do me this favor. But Christmas Eve service, I know y'all are here, so I'm kind of preaching to the choir, but I want all of you that don't see a few faces today and haven't seen a few faces in a while, maybe for whatever reason, I want you to be intentional marketers for Transformation Church for Christmas Eve service. Can y'all do that? I'm not going to be here. I'm going to be, I don't know where I'm going to be Christmas Eve. Depending on where those ladies tell me to be, that's where I'll be. But Christmas Eve service, pastor's going to be back. He said it. He seems to be excited about it. We know that Dr. Jesus is working on him. Dr. Jesus is going to have him right before the real doctors. Even though the real doctors are good, but Dr. Jesus is going to do some stuff while he sleeps too. But can you, can you, can you all let Brother Marcus know that you're going to make Christmas Eve service a bang for Pastor Joe when he gets back? Can y'all, y'all do, I want to look on live stream. And I want to see heads all in the cameras. I want to see them having to find places for people to sit. If you got to sit up here. But make Christmas Eve service a wonderful celebration here. I mean, make it big. Amen? Amen. Not just for Pastor Joe, for him coming back, but make it big for Jesus. All right? And sing happy birthday to Jesus on that day too, because it's his birthday. Amen? Amen? Do me a favor real quick. Look at your neighbor and just tell him, you look good. Amen. Even if you don't believe it, it's a prophecy. And tell them this and say, you look blessed. Amen. Y'all believe that? <laughs> Let me pray for you with my hoarse voice. I live, in the, I live on the beach. Pastor Joe always invites me when it's freezing here. So I kind of, I went hoarse a little bit traveling up here to this cold weather, but I love them. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity to minister to these, your precious people. Thank you for this ministry called Transformation Church. Thank you for Pastor Joe, Pastor Ruth, and all of the wonderful people who call this church home. And I pray that this month of December, as yes, we have come to worship, I pray that this month of December be a month full of bountiful blessings for these, your people, limitless favor for this church overflowing abundance for the leaders and the people that call this place home. And we thank you in advance for the healing power of God that's working 
for Pastor Joe right now. We ask that you give him a quick recovery. Shock him, shock the doctors, shock everybody with supernatural healing and deliverance in his body. In Jesus' name, we thank you for this word, and I thank you that everybody leaving this place will leave better than the way they came, in Jesus' name. And we all stand together, amen, amen, and amen. Yeah, go ahead and clap. That's a good place to clap. And you may be seated. We're going straight to the book of Matthew. When I talked to my friend and my brother, Pastor Joe, he said, Marcus, I said, I need you to start the first Sunday off at Transformation, and I'm doing a series considering the fact that it's the month of December, and we're in the Christmas spirit. We're in the spirit to celebrate Jesus' birth. We're in the spirit of giving. Us men, household leaders, we're in the spirit of being tortured. And listen, you really got to pray for me. I've got a house full of women. My wife and my two girls, and now the one-year-old is talking, so now I got three people to yell at me leading up until Christmas. So I put the Christmas tree up by myself. I wrap up all the Amazon boxes by myself. I got to put up all the lights outside by myself. I'm the only man while they sit back and wait. But we're in a season of celebration, right? In a season of jubilee. And what, what greater subject do we have to talk about during this month of December than worship? Worship, worship, worship. And so Pastor Joe said, Marcus, we're going to be talking from the book of Matthew. So let's go there. Matthew chapter number two, very famous passage of scripture, Matthew chapter number two, and we're just going to read verses one and two. And the Bible says here, now after Jesus was born, where? In Bethlehem. Of Judea, in the days of Herod, O oh, fake king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to do what? Worship him. Let me see the hands. How many worshipers in the house this morning? Let me just see where you are. Yeah, yeah, worshipers. I mean, you got a right to worship. You got reasons to worship. But here's the part that most of us kind of leave out. We have a right to worship because of the freedom we have. I mean, think about it. Where we live, we have, we have, a, we have a right to worship God because of who he is and because of who we are as his children. And we have the freedom to worship here in the United States. I've traveled to seven countries this year to preach the gospel all over the world. And I remember my experience in Dubai. Brother West here, he's traveled with us today. He's our head of the media department at MGI. And he went with us over to Dubai to catch all that wonderful footage. And uh, the most... Uh, the most impressive experience in Dubai wasn't me going to the top of the Burj Khalifa. Tallest building in the world. Wonderful experience, but that wasn't the greatest experience. Even going out into the sand, into the desert, and riding on a camel. I was scared, but it was, it was fun. That wasn't the greatest experience. Or seeing all of the wonderful sights and the great architecture in Dubai. That wasn't the greatest experience. Even though I preached two days in Dubai, that in itself still to me wasn't the greatest experience. The greatest experience in Dubai was when we were in the lobby of the hotel that we used. And we had choirs and we had worship teams there. 
And my wife, Dominique, who leads worship, she started singing a worship song in the lobby. I think we started singing that song. I think you might know that song, Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, la da 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 or Milagroso, Avedis, you ain't know I could do that. All right? She started singing Waymaker, and then everybody in the lobby joined in, worshiping in the lobby, right? The most amazing thing happened. The hotel manager there in Dubai came over, and he came to me for some reason. I wasn't dressed in a suit, and I don't know why people always think I'm in charge. But he came to me, and he said, Pastor, I apologize, but you cannot do that here. I said, I'm sorry? He said, singing for Jesus, the Christian song, you cannot sing that here. I said, okay, I'll let him know. I told my wife, I said, guys, we got to stop. Because over there, there's a law. You're permitted to worship Jesus and practice our Christianity. But you have to do it behind closed doors. You're not allowed to do it in public places. The gentleman was so nice because he, was, he told me, he said, he's supposed to call law enforcement. And he said, it sounds so beautiful. I don't want to do that to you. But please just stop because I'll get in trouble if someone sees this. I said that that was the greatest moment there because it taught us all a lesson coming from the United States of how it is that we take our freedom and our liberty to worship God for granted. We don't have to only worship at our home. And we don't only have to worship when we come to church. You could be in Target and think of the goodness of Jesus and say hallelujah and you, you know, ain't nothing nobody can do about it. And how often do we forget that, man, there are people on the other side of the world living in other countries that cannot talk about their love for Jesus openly. And that ought to all the more excite us and challenge us to become worshipers at another level. And don't just hide our worship under a lampshade, but do like Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they would see your good work and then do what? Glory Father Father who's in heaven. Somebody say I'm a worshiper. I'm a worshiper. These men, they were looking for Jesus found out that the king had been born. Found out that the king of the world was here follow the star. Where is he? We don't come to take anything. We don't come to ask for anything. We're not coming to get a selfie with Jesus for the ground. We're only looking for the king so that we can take time to do what? Worship him. We have a right. We have reasons. But most importantly, we have a responsibility to worship the Lord. Amen? Somebody say this. Say, I have a right. I have many reasons. But I have the responsibility to worship the Lord. I want you to write this down. I wrote this down just for you. Worship is an act of devotion, reverence, and submission to him. But when I say him here, notice, I always put capital H when I say him and capital H when I say he when we're talking about the Lord. I feel like such a sinner when I make a status on social media and I see the post and I see that I put God and it was lowercase. I feel like I'm just going to like lose everything. Anybody else do that? You'd be like, oh, let me fix that. Let me, it's supposed to be capital. And his cell phone got the nerve to come at me. You're supposed to capitalize G, Marcus. I'm like, I know, I know. It was a typo. Relax. But worship is an act of what? What else? And what else? 
submission to the Lord. Now, I've got eight principles. If you know my teaching style, I'm going to go down the line. I really have about 48 principles, but I'm going to only give you eight for the sake of time. Worship is an act of devotion, reverence, and submission to the Lord. I am honored that I have an opportunity to devote my life to Jesus. I'm thrilled at the fact that I have a mind to reverence, to honor the Lord, to fear the Lord. Not that I'm scared of God, but I respect him. I honor the Lord. I don't, I don't play with God. I, I'm not lackadaisical in my reverence for the Lord. I, I, try to, I try my best to be sure that my life is a life that if God is watching me, which I know he is, he'll always give a good report. This is one of the reasons why, even in our walks with God, don't ever get to the point where you feel like you've been saved long enough that you don't have to have a daily heart of repentance. Are you following me here? I preach the gospel all over the world every day, reaching hundreds of thousands, even millions of people at a time. And every day, I still wake up and say, Father, let this be a day where I don't dishonor you with my life. And before I go to bed, like I'm a seven-year-old child, I say, Father, forgive me, Lord, of all of my sins. Those things that I know of and that I don't know of, Father God. Because, you know, sometimes there can be things that will happen or thoughts that you may have that weren't intentional. And you can find yourself in sin and not know it. So when you have a daily heart of repentance, reverencing God, you always keep yourself in right standing. So that, watch this here, you don't repeat the same uh, uh, hidden sin over and over again and then give the enemy somewhat of a foothold in your mind to have you developing habits that are far from God. This is too much. Are you following me? So maintaining a daily heart of repentance is one of the greatest ways to demonstrate your reverence for the Lord. And then, of course, your submission to God, your obedience. The Bible tells us that obedience is better than sacrifice. Sometimes there are things that the Lord will lay on our heart that we've got to do. Or sometimes there are things that your pastor or his wife will say that, hey, this is something that the Lord showed me you need to do. And you're saying, this is not my thing. I'm uncomfortable with it. Oh, submission steps in. Obedience. Isaiah chapter number one tells us that, watch this here, uh, the obedient shall then eat the good of the land. He says, be willing and obedient, and you shall eat the good of the land. And watch this, even in your obedience and your submission, you can't do what you do with a mad face either. The pastor wants you to serve today. All right, I'm going to serve, and I'm going to stand at the door and be mean. Ain't nobody going to come to my side. No, no, you got you to gotta submit. This is worship. This is all a part of your worship. Amen? What are the three parts of worship? Sound it out loud. Devotion. You didn't even need to scream. So here's number one. Points of worship. How do we worship? What are some of the ways that we worship? Number one, we worship in spirit and in truth. We worship in spirit and and in truth. Let me show you here in the word of God, the book of John, chapter number four, verse number 23. Very powerful here. I wanted to begin with this one because I believe that this is probably the most important point. All right. This is a very popular, well-known episode where Jesus was dealing here with the Samaritan woman in John chapter number four, verse number 23. And I want you to write this scripture down and add it to your Bible arsenal. John chapter number 4, 
verse number 23. He says, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers. Now, if the Bible's, if Jesus, in fact, because if you have a Bible like mine, you see these letters in red. So this is Jesus talking to the Samaritan woman. If Jesus specifically says true worshipers, and we know that the Lord does everything in priority, that means that there is a such thing as fake worshipers, false worshipers, put-ons. You don't want to be a put-on, do you? I want to be a true worshiper. So Jesus makes this intentional distinction. He says, now when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. Verse number 24, God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and what? And in truth. This is a testimony to how it is that worship isn't limited to our outward behavior, but how it is that we connect with, with, with who God is and how it is that we live our lives according to who God is and his word. So we worship in spirit and in truth. Some folks think just, oh man, that person over there is a great worshiper because they can sing well and they roll on the floor and they dance well. You know, I grew up in them kind of churches where you had the loudest person in the church that was full of the most hell. I'm just being honest with you. Oh, they sure enough know how to worship, but they weren't worshiping in spirit and in truth. There's all a put on and a show for performance sake when the truth of the matter is true worshipers worship through the demonstration of their understanding of who God is. And sometimes that might not come with a thank you, you know. That comes, but that's not the priority. The priority is knowing who the Lord is and, and being able to demonstrate your true connection with your knowledge of who he is and your willingness to demonstrate who he is through your life. Amen. So number one, how do we worship? We worship in spirit and in truth. Number two, we worship through the Bible. We worship through the Bible. Our study of the word. Our understanding of the word. One of the things, and we're not supposed to have favorite churches when we travel and preach, but I'm just going to be honest with you. I got some favorites and then I have some not so favorites. One of my favorite things about Transformation Church is how it is that your pastor teaches the Bible so plainly, yet with rich understanding and rich revelation. He teaches the word so consistently, and he teaches it clearly, so that the person that's been in, the, in Christ for 50 years can understand and receive, and even your young people can listen and even repeat a sermon that pastors taught. He teaches the Bible because he understands that a ministry without the teaching of the word will be a ministry without strength. Churches that have longevity are churches where the pastor and the leadership are intentional about being sure that the Bible is being preached and the Bible is being properly taught. This is why Transformation Church is a very strong church and you ought to thank God for the leaders that God has put in your life because they're giving you the scripture. You don't have to try to guess. You don't have to try to figure it out. You don't have to come up with your own interpretation and revelation of the text. You got pastors that come, pastor and pastor, they're teaching you the Bible. That is worship because you cannot be a true worshiper in spirit and in truth if you don't know what the Bible says about the one you're trying to worship. 
Are you following me? So when we study the word, that's worship. When you come to Bible study and you're part of pastor's teachings and you're sharing in your small groups and things like that, and watch this, you remain intentional about being a Christian that doesn't check its brain at the door just to come to church, but you bring your mind to the house of the Lord so that you can get an open understanding of the word of God, this is worship. Because in worship, through the word, you gain godly wisdom to apply to your life so that you can deliberate successfully in all that you got going on outside of the walls of the church. This is where we're going to begin to see Christian entrepreneurs at an all-time high and believers taking over marketplace and believers taking over politics and believers running the world. Why? Because we've got the Bible in us and our worship through the word applied to our lives puts us in position for full-time abundance. How many of you can praise God for that fact this morning that the word works when we work it? The Bible is a lamp. The word tells us in Psalms, the word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Don't overlook the power of worship through study of the word. Amen? Number three. Number three. We worship through, what is this? Prayer. We worship through prayer. We've come to worship him. Developing a strong prayer life and maintaining a strong, valid prayer life is necessary as we walk with Jesus. I challenge you to be intentional during this holiday season. Don't just see prayer as a means by which we can take time to pull on heaven for deliveries. But see prayer as a time where you can sit quietly and hear from heaven. That's my part of worship. Worship is not just us getting on our knees and, Father God, I need this, and Lord, I need that, and Father, it'd be nice if you do this for me, and Lord, God, I need a new home, I need a new car, Father, pay school off, Lord, I need a husband, I want my wife, I need my children to act right, Father, do this, do that, uh-uh, okay, and God is like, all right, I'm willing to answer your prayers, but do you not realize that the most powerful part of prayer is when we simply lay before the Lord and allow him to minister to us? He'll do it if you just let him. My grandmother said, taught me this. She said, Marcus, sometimes you got to lay on the floor and just shut your mouth and let God talk to you and let God give you direction. Prayer is a part of worship. In fact, the word tells us that the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. When is the last time, and I'm going to challenge you here, when is the last time you spent at least one hour in personal prayer time? One, like one hour, like one hour and no YouTube, nobody like praying with you on the internet and like leading you through the prayers. I got iTunes and podcasts and stuff where I lead people in prayer all the time. But I tell them sometimes you got to cut my videos off. Don't, don't even turn on my prayer track. You lay before the Lord and go to the Lord in your own way. There's no like perfect way to pray. You don't have to pray at the level of Pastor Ruth and you don't have to pray at the level of your neighbor. It's simple communication with God. And the greatest way, since we're talking about worship, the greatest way to pray is to pray prayers of thanksgiving. I learned it when I was young, younger. I'm still young. When I was a young boy, maybe about your age, they taught me to say, Marcus, never begin your prayer without thanking God for a few things. You know, some people say, all right, time to pray. Well, Lord, I got a bill. No, no, begin. Father, I thank you for life. I thank you for strength. Thank you for waking me up today. Thank you for my family. Thank you for the activities of my limbs. Thank you for my mind working. 
Thank you that I'm in position to be blessed. Thank you for all you've done. Thank you for salvation. Pray prayers of thanksgiving. And sometimes you can get real bold and say, you know what, Lord, I'm not even going to ask you for anything. I just thank you for being who you are. Thank you for saving my soul. And then you'll start getting happy. <laughs> yeah, Lord, thank you for this. Thank you for that. You start thinking of all the things that the Lord has already done. And you, you won't even feel like asking him for nothing else because you've prayed such a prayer of thanksgiving. You feel good. You, in fact, I've learned this. When I pray my prayers of thanksgiving, even if I'm down about something, my prayer of thanksgiving starts reminding me of all the good things that I actually have already. And my prayer of thanksgiving works as a tool to now encourage me. So we worship through prayer. Which leads me to my next point. We worship through thanksgiving. We worship through thanksgiving. We just celebrated Thanksgiving, so this was the perfect Sunday for me to add this point. Thanksgiving was wonderful, and I believe those of you who celebrate Thanksgiving, you got together, and we all went around the table asking one another, what are you thankful for? And that's fun to do with family, but there's nothing like offering up a word of Thanksgiving to God. Sometimes you just got to sit and reflect. And I remember they tell us sometimes when you see a counselor, because with my kind of life, I still have to see a counselor. I got to talk to a counselor ever so often just to keep my mind right and stay in the right alignment. All right. I'm not against that at all. So those of you who are in the counseling and psychology business, kudos to you. You're helping a lot of people stay right. And so even me, I've got to see one and we talk and we make a list sometime of all the things that are going well and all the things that need to be straightened out. And as a child of God, what we normally realize when we have a spirit of thanksgiving is that when we make those lists, the list of good always outnumbers the list of things that aren't going so well. Amen. And so we worship through thanksgiving. Just take time to thank God. When you think about it, I mean, I ain't trying to get nobody fired this week, but man, you might be at work and you just might have a thought. Just say, thank you. Are you hearing me? You don't have to be loud and yelling and jumping up. But sometimes just say, thank you, Lord, for life. Every now and then just whisper a thank you praise to Jesus. A thank you praise to the Lord. You don't have to wait till you get the service and this wonderful worship team starts their song. You can be anywhere and just maintaining a heart of thanksgiving. You don't have to wait till November. One thing I tell people, I say, yeah, we, we celebrate Thanksgiving because that's a good time to get together. But as children of God, every day of our life is a day of thanksgiving. Because we are true worshipers. Amen? I dare somebody right now, just take a break. Wave your hand and just say, thank you, Jesus. Doesn't that feel good? You can't tell me everything right now, but the way you waved your hand and said it, I know God's been good to you. Say it one more time. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> so therefore, the, the fifth one, we worship God through, somebody say this out loud, testimony. Say it with me. Say it again. Now, why am I telling you to say this one out loud? Because in order for you to testify, you got to say something. Testimony requires talking. You got to run your mouth about what God done done for you. Tell it. Don't be ashamed to talk about the goodness of the Lord. Don't feel like, oh, I got to keep some things to myself because people around me, they won't understand because... The Lord ain't doing what he's done for me. He ain't doing it in their life. You know what? Your testimony will encourage somebody who's not having such a good season. Because some folks will hear your testimony and instead of getting jealous, now some folks do get a little jealous now, and those are the ones I really turn it up on. But 
The ones that I see, you know, they may be going through something. Hey, you know what? I had a season in my life where I got laid off too. But this is what the Lord did for me. I had a time in my life where the bills were just piling up and I didn't know what to do. But I tell you what, man, this is what God, God worked it out for me like this. And guess what? If God did it for me, God can do it for you. You see, the Bible tells us we are overcome by the power of our testimony. But guess what? Others are often overcome by the power of your testimony. You'll be surprised at how your testimony will save somebody's life. Even in the hotel last night uh, down in uh, New York, I had a little issue with the, the, the TV, so I called up the maintenance people, and the guy came in, and he just started telling me his life story. I was good with it. Cool. And uh, in his story, he showed me that he had a little issue with anxiety once upon a time, and he's struggling with it again. And so guess who else had an issue with anxiety once upon a time in his life? Me. I could have kept my mouth shut and tried to be macho man. You know, I had just finished working out too, so I felt all big. Now I didn't want to tell nothing soft about myself. But I said, hey, you know what, man? I said a few, few years ago, EMS had to get me out of the middle of the road because I was sitting out of traffic, like thinking I was just dying. I went to the hospital, stayed in the hospital for one night, and it was determined that I was struggling and had some anxiety, bad anxiety. And the guy said this to me. He said, man, I'm so glad that you had this problem with your TV because if not, I would have never heard another man like myself was going through this. He said, I've never talked to another man that said they dealt with it. And he said to me, he said, I feel a little bit better now because I see how you've recovered and now I know I can get over this. What happened? That was worship through my testimony that blessed the young man. I got stories like that for days. What are some of the things you've been through that if you testify about how God brought you out of it and how he delivered you out of it or how he simply changed your situation, it can help somebody else know that they can still live and they can still push forward and they can still survive. And if God gave you a miracle, so can he do the same for somebody else. Somebody shout, testify. Amen. Tell your story. And don't water down your story for insecure people. Oh, no, I ain't going to tell too much. No, God doesn't bless you. Shout from the mountaintop. God's been good to me. Amen. So now, I'm going to break now. I'm going to break because I almost shouted. But I don't think nobody's going to run with me. I'm getting happy right now. I want to show you this word before I break. I got three more points I want to give you before we get out of here. But I want to show you this word. Avodah. Everybody say that. Avodah. All right, now you got to say it like you kind of from over there, kind of avoda. All right, this is the Hebrew word, which means worship, work, and what? Say it again, avoda. Now, I, you know, I'm, I'm practicing, I'm working on it. And oftentimes I have some of my friends that speak Hebrew and Greek to make sure that I'm pronouncing these words right. But I, I didn't answer the phone this weekend, so I'm, I'm, I had to find it on YouTube. But avoda is the Hebrew. Now, often when I'm teaching and preaching the word, I like to go into the Hebrew and I like to go into the Greek because the English language is so limited, especially when it comes to the word of God. When we go into the Greek and we go into the Hebrew, oftentimes these words in the Greek and Hebrew end up kind of stretching our definition of the word or stretching our revelation of a word that we know in English from the word of God. And when we tap intentionally to some of these key words like worship and we go into the Greek and to the Hebrew, it broadens our understanding of the word. It stretches the definition. It stretches our revelation. 
But then it gives you an opportunity to take this word and teach somebody. Because now you do know when you come to church on Sunday, you're supposed to go out and tell people that weren't in church about church or about the sermon or tell unbelievers, hey, this is something that I'm learning at church. I need you to hear this and I want you to come and hear with me one day. This is when evangelism is happening. And then the cycle continues. Are you following me? So this week, I want you to understand the word worship, but then even understand this word avodah in the Hebrew, which means worship, work, and service. It's all fluid. It's all in one. Worship isn't just alone in this thing. Worship is work, and worship is service. Are you following me? So somebody say this word again. Let me hear you say it without me. All right, you're going to tell somebody this week? Or at least teach them, right? Just tell them, say, we need to go out vote out next Sunday. What you talking about? Oh, we're going to worship, we're going to work, and we're going to serve. I'm looking at a bunch of vote out people up in here. You come to worship, you come to, and you come to, you at work, just a voter and at work. What are you doing? I'm worshiping in my life. I'm working and I'm serving even outside of the four walls. Amen? That's what the kings, the wise men, should I say, came to do. To Avoda, Jesus. Where is he? We come to Avoda. We're looking to worship him. We're coming to worship. We want to work and we want to serve the king. And that's our responsibility in 2022. To worship, to work, and to serve the king. How many of y'all excited about that in this season of your life? Which leads me to now point number six. Point number six. I told you I got 40 of them, but I ain't going to do them all. We worship through what? Giving. Don't forget about that part. Growing up in church, it always seemed like we'd have praise and worship, and it'd be at an all-time high. We worship you. Hey, everybody jumping. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. It's oftentimes. Hey. I just need to hurry up. And you'd always have to say, oh, church, come on, church. Don't get quiet now. Keep your praise up because giving is a part of. So every time you give, you are still worshiping. The opportunity to give and service is not a break. It's not halftime. It's actually one of the greatest moments to position yourself to be blessed, especially when you are giving in a church like this which is good ground. Sound like them Giants fans on Thursday. Anyway. (laughs) Giving is worship. The giving of our money. The giving of our gifts and talents. The giving of our time, our testimony, our knowledge. The giving of our tithes and offering, and even our seed. Got a special giving day coming up for the end of the year, right? And just imagine this. You're a part of a ministry where you're not giving into bad ground that's not going to manifest into a great harvest. Because good ground always manifests into harvest. Dead ground is a wasted bed for seed. Because nothing comes out of ground that hasn't been worked and toiled and prepared. Transformation Church is good ground. I heard the video. All of the things that you're able to accomplish last year from last year's Christmas gift. And then all the great vision that pastor has for this year. 
Guess what? Every time I visit Transformation Church, I see changes, which means that Transformation Church is alive and on the move, which means that this is a place of harvest. Are you hearing me? I've had conversations with people about how I've sown seeds and I've given them places that I should never expect a harvest from because they were places that were not good ground. And I've had to say, Lord, forgive me for sowing there. And then there are places where I say, I have given and I've seen a harvest in my life. I've seen prosperity in my life because I know that I sowed a financial seed. I worship the Lord through giving in the right house, in the right ground. I'm telling you this, Transformation Church is right ground. It's good ground. It's harvest-producing ground. And when you worship the Lord through your giving here all year long, but especially at the end of the year, I'm telling you this by faith. I'm prophesying to somebody who's going to make a special sacrifice. Your seed is coming with a limitless harvest. Your seed is coming with great favor. Your seed is coming with new open doors. We can't always explain it, but the fact we trusted God with what we have in our hand, we placed it in his hand, and when he placed, when we place what we have in our hand in his hand, he takes what's in his hand, and he puts it back in our hand. It's real. In fact, the scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians 9 and 7, let me show it to you real quick. Let me show it to you real quick. And hey, I like this, because some places you go talk about giving, people start walking out. Y'all clapping and shouting, which says to me, you just might go over 70,000 this year. Come on, somebody. Look at this. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 9, I'm flying through here. Verse number 7. This is why it's so a part of worship. So let not each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly. Oh, I'm going to give my Christmas offering. <sighs> take the 500, Pastor. Take the 1,000, whatever. Ain't no blessing in that. He says, don't give it grudgingly or of necessity. Well, he told us to give it, so I need to just go ahead and give it so I don't have to get kicked out the church. No, that's the wrong attitude in giving. He says, but God loves a what kind of giver? A cheerful giver. So come through here with your 500 or your 1,000 or whatever your best is. Come giving it, dancing and shouting. What are you so happy about? I get a chance to give today. I got my offering together. <laughs> are you following me? Get on Cash App. Give online. Just do it. Just do it with a dance. What you so happy about? I'm not getting nothing. I'm glad because I'm giving. Are you following me? Somebody shout, I love giving. And I promise you, just as much as you love giving, God loves opening the windows of heaven for you and pouring out a blessing for you that you will not have room enough to receive. Get ready to receive it. Get ready to be blessed like never before. We worship, number seven, through what? Serving. We worship through serving. And then the last one, we worship through our favorite one, music. That's just, honestly, that's my, my, one of my favorites. Because I genuinely enjoy coming to church. I genuinely enjoy putting on worship music in my car. I genuinely enjoy pulling up videos and watching other people do what they do. I genuinely enjoy hearing some good singing and an opportunity to get with fellow believers and hear a good sound and we lift our hands and we clap, whether we're clapping on beat or off beat. Uh, I, I just love it because that part, oftentimes our worship through music is our opportunity to fellowship with other saints. Am I right, worship team? 
When the worship team is up, don't let them sing by themselves. Sing with them. Even if you can't sing, the Bible says make a joyful noise. It didn't say it had to sound good. Just let it be joyful. All right? Come on, let's stand together. I'm wrapping this up. Psalm 150. I want to end with it. Psalm 150. I'm going to read it to you. Because I believe that this is what the wise men did at some point after they gave, if you read the whole second chapter of Matthew, that's when they gave their gold frankincense and myrrh and then they had all the drama with King Herod acting like he wanted to worship Jesus and all the while he was just trying to get him close so he can get rid of him. Then the prophecies came and they told him to go the other way to protect Jesus. But at some point, I believe that the kings, as we worship the Lord through music and we worship through song and worship through singing, it's very important that we have a sound of jubilee all month long. Let me just, I'm just saying it to you as your little brother from Myrtle Beach, Beach, the Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, where the weather's in the 70s right now. There's a sound that I want to challenge you to come to church with every Sunday. Now, I'm telling you all this first, so the next service, when they hear about what's going on in the first service, they're going to wonder what's going on. Why are you coming in here so loud and so boisterous? And so into worship. Because out of all the things I just taught on the worship, how many of you really received something and really were blessed today? Yeah? All right? Sunday is like headquarters day. This is the gas station for church folks. We come here to fill up. You ought to come here to get loose in the presence of the Lord. You come here to get fired up. This is your opportunity to just have, have jubilee with fellow believers. And this month, as pastor's talking about we come to worship, really come to worship this month. Just this month. Because if you do it this month, you get to January, and it'll just kind of be automatic. Come with a sound of praise. Come with the spirit of thanksgiving. Who cares if the person beside you is bothered by your excitement? So what? You ain't worshiping them. You come to worship Jesus. Are you hearing me? Watch this here. The Bible says in Psalm 150, praise the Lord. That's the command. Praise the Lord. He says here, praise him in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him for his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Oh, y'all have no trumpet back here. Praise him with the lute and the harp. Praise him with the timbre and the dance. Praise him with the stringed instruments and flutes. That's kind of what this piano is. Go ahead, just do something. Lovely. Praise them with the loud cymbals. Then he says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Lord. Praise ye the Lord. <laughs> so listen, we come to worship, right? We're like the wise men. We know more about Jesus than they did. He was just a baby when they went to worship him. 
but we actually have him as king. Remember this before I go. Praise and worship in advance is proof of our trust in God's ability and his willingness to answer our prayers. We don't just praise for what he's done, but we can praise him for things that he hasn't even finished yet. Because our praise in advance is proof that God can and he will work a miracle in our life. Amen. We come to worship him. We come to worship. Love you. Thank you.